The ocean is a vast world filled with perils, including an array of large, voracious predators looking to make a meal out of anything they can get their jaws around. But there's one aquatic avenger that seems to answer the call to protect and surf. The humpback whale is a creature with sophisticated intelligence, but could it be advanced enough to feel empathy? A trait that's truly rare in life, death, and taxonomy. Welcome back to Life, Death, and Taxonomy. 30 minutes of interesting animal info that's all yours. And by you, I mean the listener. You listening. I'm Carlos. And I'm apparently Joe. <laughs> no, I'm Joe. Did you have more? That's right. <laughs> there, there's our first humpback whale reference of the topical humpback whale reference of the of the show. Yes, and today we better get a move on because we have a lot of whale to cover and very little time to do it. I'm Carlos. I didn't even say that. Whale coverings don't knit themselves. <laughs> I'm sorry I interrupted you in the middle of that that just glorious display. It was a ludicrous display. <laughs> All right, let's let's hear some things about some some humpback whale. All right, the humpback whale. Let me just point out that the the mammals that I'm doing are getting bigger. Yeah, you've you've been on a mammal streak. Uh-huh, yeah. You've released your inhibitions. Feel the streak on my skin? What? Ugh. No, I don't like that. No, neither don't, do I. Don't say that again. Let's keep going. All right, so the humpback whale, a.k.a. the big-boned, baleful baleen. <laughs> quasi, this is one I'm not very proud of. Quasi-hippo, quasi-hippo instead of quasimodo. Ooh. Remember that, but we're going to talk about why hippo makes sense. Almost hippo, um, and then the one I am particularly proud of: a singing cetacean sensation, because they have a song in their heart, their giant, giant heart. That was good. That was a good one. That was very good. <laughs> uh, all right, so it's a kingdom we all know and love. You've heard it before. Mm-hmm. If I've said it once, I've said it a thousand times. Automalia. <laughs> uh, the phylum is Chordata. This thing has a very big spine. Yeah. The biggest spine so far. Um, yeah. Class is Mammalia. These guys are mammals, not fish. Jonah spent the ni- the three nights in the belly of a fish, it says. Yeah, not a whale. Not a whale. Unless they didn't know that a whale wasn't a fish back then. No, I think they probably were like, that tail is definitely not up and down. I mean, it is up and down. Yeah, That's it, a fish. if it is up and down, then it's a fish. <clears throat> All I right. see little hairs on it. Here's a very interesting order that you may recognize. Artiodactyla. Ooh. Remember that from the bison, bison, bison episode? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's for even-toed ungulates. Like giraffes, camels. Why does this? Why is this even toed? And hippos. I don't know. <laughs> it doesn't <laughs> seem to have any toes. I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, it, it's the just on its taxonomical branching path. It comes from this order of the phoenix mammals. No, oh. no, no phoenixes. Different order. Different class. Um, but also the hippo is an even-toned ungulate, and that's why this is called the quasi-hippo. Okay. 
the the humpback of the ocean Notre ocean Dom. <laughs> our ocean um <clears throat> the infra order is cetacea i said infra order i usually don't include that but it's important because these guys are all called cetaceans mm-hmm. especially if you've been reading 2000 leagues under the sea by jules verne because everything that swims in front of his darn submarine is called a cetacean and i was like what the heck is a cetacean <laughs> so i looked it up um but it's an it's a mammal that like a porpoise or a whale Pretty much those two guys are cetaceans. Ah, um, I can think of another one. Manatees? Probably dugongs. Yeah. Yeah. Blowing my mind. Um, the family is Balinopteridae. Bal- the, uh, the this one has a lot of AEs in it. So Balinopteridae. I'm going to say the AE is an E. Um and then we have the genus, which is Meg- Megaptera. Sure. And then the species is another. This one has A E A in it. A <laughs> I... Novaeanglia. <laughs> you have to sing like sing it like a whale, I guess. Novaeanglia. <laughs> yeah, that's there, how that's their name. There are whale. two sets of three vowels in this one word. Unacceptable. <laughs> that's like. That, that moves you on to the next phase in phase 10. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, it's range. We'll start there. It's everywhere. It's the ocean. If you look at a map and you color that the map that's range blue, you're going to have a map of the world's oceans. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know they winter in Hawaii and summer in Alaska. Some of them do. Because yeah. some of them live in the South uh, Atlantic. Some of them live in the North Atlantic and the Pacific and all that good stuff. Um, but, and they won't tell you this, but if you play the song by the Italian composer O Torino Respighi's Pines of Rome loudly enough, you might even spot a pot a pot of humpbacks flying toward a heavenly kingdom, like in Fantasia 2000. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about? Join me on this, uh, th- this feat of mental gymnastics. <laughs> Perfect ten. Like like I would give to those those whales that were f- all flying. I would use the the gods enter into Valhalla. That would be a good song for that. But they use the pines of Rome. Yeah. Who am I to judge? It was two thousand. I was eight. All right. So they humpback whales are in a group of baleen whales known as rorquals. Uh, Ricky rorquals. Ricky rorquals. <laughs> which is weird because it's like it's a group of baleen whales. But there are nine extant species of baleen whales, and this is makes up six of them. So I guess there's like maybe two or three groups of baleen whales. This is like a huge group of them, mm. um, including the blue whale, the fin whale, the say whale, the mink whale, and brides whales. <laughs> B-R-Y-D-E-S. Say whale. What you, what you got? What you getting up to over there, whale? It's one of their names. Said it. Oh, say! I thought you were making. <laughs> I thought you were riffing on the brides thing, like the bride of Frankenstein. Um. So now that we know what group of baleen whales they're in, I guess. Well, I guess there's no avoiding it. Oh. I guess um, we have to talk about how big these boys are. <laughs> you mean it's the listeners' favorite part of the show? You can say that every time. <laughs> yeah, it's the intro. Soon, my nicknames will overtake <laughs> this one as the listeners' favorite part of the episode. Uh, well, this is a segment within a segment. It's a uh, 
the segment is called One, Two, Three, Say It With Me. Measure up! Well, that was terrible. No, it wasn't. It was good. You had a lot of enthusiasm. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Carry the team on your shoulders. All right. So this is the part of the show where we put the animal size and other things into relatable terms. And in this season, season three, I'm asking it in the form of a question for Carlos to stumble over because it's impossible. (laughs) We put their size and sometimes their lumens into perspective. So let's start off with length. These are big boys. They can range between 12 and 16 meters. That is 39 to 52 feet. You got 52 feet? I got 46. And I got the largest one being 89 feet, which is apparently not substantiated. So just a report. So let's average that to 46 feet. Okay. How many whales go into Hyperion, a redwood so large it has a name? Isn't Hyperion a moon of Jupiter? Hyperion, with an H. Yeah, Hyperion has an H, too. Well, it's also a redwood tree, the largest tree in the world. Okay, it's the largest tree in the world? Yeah. That's a cool name. Yeah. If if there's only one named tree in the world, and I I hope there is, (laughs) that's the name I would want to give it. (laughs) No, there's more than one. No, there can't be. Treebeard is the second one. All right, how tall would the tallest tree in the world be? A redwood. Mm -hmm. Those get up to be... Uh, it's a couple, like uh, maybe two two hundred feet tall. That sounds good. I'm gonna say four, four and change, four point two, eight. Oh wow! Yeah, <laughs> dang. So this that that tree is four hundred something feet tall. Guess so. <laughs> you didn't. <laughs> I you was gonna. Na- <laughs> I was gonna write it down, but I was afraid that if I if I did, I would accidentally say it, and then all you'd have to do was do a, a math problem. Okay. Um, you'd have to have a backup one for me if you Yeah. If you accidentally said it. Well, I do have another one for length. This one? All right. So how many Quasimodos, the dog with the short spine syndrome, it's a famous dog. His name is Quasimodo. He has a short spine, and he's adorable and hilarious looking, and he's he's healthy, so we can laugh at him. Okay. He's, they say that nothing's wrong with him. He's just short. My my astonished face is beginning to calm down now that I know that he's okay. Um, how many Quasimodos go into a humpback whale? Now Into a quasi-hippo. I will say, full disclosure, I did not find anything that said his size. There was billions of articles about him, but... None of them said his size, even though he is notably smaller than a regular dog. But he has nothing sh- about his he size. He has a short spine. I don't know how long it is, <laughs> but... <clears throat> but he is a uh, German Shepherd. Okay, that's important to know. With a short short spine syndrome. I used the woman, his owner's forearm, She in a picture that she was like standing in front of him. I used the length of her forearm to be probably something close to a foot and estimated. So, how many Quasimodos go into a humpback whale? He's a full-grown German Shepherd, aside from the fact that he has a shorter spine. Yes. Okay. Um, I'm going to say he's three-quarters of a German Shepherd, <laughs> which uh-huh. as an adult gets to be like, I don't know, four feet long from tail to adorable face. So, let's say that he's three feet long. Uh-huh. And we're talking about 46 feet here, so now I have to do math, <laughs> which I really don't want to do. What is it? What's three times 12? That's 36. So then I'm going to go 14. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm showing him the picture right now. 
<laughs> he's adorable. He looks photoshopped. Oh my, yeah, he does. He um, looks like a bear. He lo- he has no neck. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Look him up, people. He looks like you were trying to take a panoramic picture and it of, messed up. And yeah. You messed up. Well, here's the answer. You said fourteen. Yeah, I said fourteen. The real answer is twenty-three. About. Wow. Yeah. Wow. He's. I estimated him about two feet. So that was a solid guess. I feel like that's a win. Just because I did math. Well, because <laughs> I, we have no idea what he actually his his. He's probably somewhere between is. two and three feet. Yeah. Let's move on to weight. They are 25 to 30 metric tons, 28 to 33 U.S. tons. It's mostly water weight. So let's say 31 U.S. tons. Uh, How many standard aluminum scuba tanks go into a humpback whale? (laughs) I need something that can be weighed in tons. (laughs) I mean, this can be weighed in tons, I guess. A fraction of a ton. Okay, Okay, so... Full of compressed air or or not? I'm I because I read it in the context of like preparing for a dive, so I'm assuming full. Okay, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Let's say those things weigh 35 pounds. Mm-hmm. Pretty heavy. I've had one on my back before. It was pretty heavy. Yeah. Um, it may not weigh that much. I'm gonna say 30. <sighs> and then now I got to do math. 31 U.S. tons. I've been a U.S. ton is 2,000 pounds. 2,000 pounds. So now, oh, I got my phone. Yeah. I'm going to do this in my head. I haven't been in school in forever. Except for the fact that I'm in school now. (laughs) 2050. That's what you got? Yes. Yeah, try 35. Okay. 1,771. 100% correct. (laughs) (laughs) Dang it. Oh, man. Well, I give myself credit for having, like, my first guess being spot on how heavy those things are. Yeah. You should have stuck with it, dag. But pretty when, good round. When something's a backpack, it doesn't feel as heavy yeah. as it would be if you were holding it. Like our 50-pound packs in the Appalachian Trail didn't feel like 50 pounds. They did after three days. Yeah, I guess. lost. But that's all I got. That was a pretty good round. <laughs> it was better than the Lumens or whatever. I was way off on both of those last time. <laughs> all right. So the humpback whale has an average lifespan. A huge range, apparently, between 45 and 100 years. 100 years? Who knew they lived that long? Is it 45 and... Do, are there even whales in captivity? They seem too big to be in captivity. I know they have a blue whale somewhere. That's a huge whale. I don't think it's in a place... No, where... not a blue whale. A, a whale shark. That's yeah, way smaller. They have three whale sharks in the Atlant- in the Atlanta Aquarium, and it's awesome. Um, but they are way smaller. Yeah. They're like 20 feet long or something yeah. like that instead of blue whales, which are like 90-something feet largest long. Largest animal on the, on the earth. Yeah, or well, conceivably the largest animal that ever lived. But more on that uh, some other time. <laughs> <laughs> so these guys live are, are long-lived, um, and let's talk about their behavior. Let's do it. A, a couple of their most distinctive traits, the first one being um, the fact that they like to jump. Same. I, th- I think there's a bank that uses that as their logo. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, Pro- th- Prudential or something. So, so, something boring. Yeah. Uses a breaching humpback whale as their logo, something very cool. So there are lots of terms for this. Lunging, jumping, porpoising. Those all mean different things. But they're very but, pretty mean, similar. Yeah, it's it's all about like how what percentage of the animal's body comes out of the water, and I don't care. Um <laughs> So it could be a sign of fitness, like, hey, look, ladies, look how much energy I'm free to expend. Um, But it also could be like stunning a bunch of fish before swallowing them. Mm. They're not really sure. The other thing is lobtailing, which is 
taking up their giant tail, which is called a fluke. It's fluked. That's what yes. the word is for, like the split tail. Yeah. And then slapping it down on the water, which could do the same exact thing as breaching. They're still not sure. Because the social life of a humpback whale is complex. Yes. And they also do the same thing with their dorsal fins. They'll just kind of slap the water. You mean their pectoral fins? Pectoral fins is what I meant to say. Dorsal they fin do... is real small. So also spy hopping, which is my favorite one. My favorite humpback idiosyncrasy. It's just bobbing up and down like a like a big blubbery bottle. <laughs> uh, so that they keep their <laughs> eyes above the water and they can look at stuff like boats and seals and whatever. Like watching TV. Orcas do it all the time. It's like, it's like you dunking your head underwater to see what's there. They just do it opposite into the air. And they keep themselves like straight up and down and just kind of use their pector- pectoral fins to stabilize themselves. And um, the last one is the best term, and that's called peduncle throwing. Okay. So uh, any fish or like any animal that's shaped like a fish has this, the, the lower part of their torso where it meets what would be the tails called the peduncle kind of like a kind of like a pelvic area uh so it'll thrust this out of the water in a kind of a corkscrew it'll corkscrew itself and dive down to like hit other whales okay it's, it's a it's an aggressive tactic oh. of like combat uh, which is very cool <laughs> um and i don't care what they do with their peduncles because i don't want to be pedantic <laughs> you don't want to yoke their yak. I don't want to yoke their yak. <laughs> I don't want to be a pedant. Yes. To their peduncle. <laughs> here's some here's some fast facts before we get to the major fact. Uh, the the face knobs that they have are not barnacles. They are hair follicles. So mm. this is one bearded baleen whale. A pod will sometimes swim in an ever shrinking circle below the prey. So you have this bait ball. You know what a, you've seen a bait ball like just a big sphere of thousands and thousands of fish and they will um swim in a circle a pot of whales blowing bubbles out of their air holes uh-huh. to create this like cyclone of terror for this <laughs> bait ball um and then whenever they're ready one will just go up through the under cent- underside of the center of the vortex and just eat thousands of fish at one time um so it's it's a very it's a very collaborative effort and their only real predator besides man. Thank you, Sea Shepherd. <laughs> the most dangerous predator. Do you ever watch Whale Wars? No. The Sea Shepherd is the name of the boat that our our uh, intrepid heroes use to go fire smoke bombs at Japanese whaling ships. Oh, okay. Um, and the, the so their only real predator is killer whales, and that's when they're calves. Yeah, Other that than, that tracks. Yeah. With with what we're about to talk about. Okay. So you you ready? Yeah. You ready, ma- Major P. Winifred? Facts. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about the major fact, which is interspecies altruism. So humpbacks seem to display strange altruistic behavior. Altruism, which if you listen to our second episode, is taking actions to help something else without any clear benefit to yourself. Like the Ethiopian wolf. Right. But the Ethiopian wolf displays altruism within the same species. Mm -hmm. So the one wolf will forego mating and having a litter of their own to help raise the pups of the alpha female um, for at least a short amount of time. But the humpbacks seem to help members of their own species and other species. So humpbacks are large enough not to be bothered by most ocean predators. 
like orcas and sharks. Mm -hmm. They're most vulnerable when they're calves, like you said. Mm -hmm. They have adapted to rush to the aid of calves that are in distress. So if there's a pod and there's a calf that's being attacked by orcas or what have you, then the pod will swarm to the aid of that calf. Okay. Um, this helps them rear children and avoid, you know, losing offspring. So what they'll do is they'll swipe at predators with powerful flukes um, and pectoral fins or ram them. And when you've got that much power and heft yeah. behind any hit, it's going to do some damage. So they, they'll also, when they are doing rushing to the aid of these calves, they'll put the calf underneath their pectoral fin or lift them out of the water with their heads. Whoa. Yeah. That's got to be pretty crazy to see. Yeah. So they've also been observed doing this with calves of other species, seals, sunfish, and even people. Huh. Perhaps. Um, so here's two examples of this in real life. In May 2012, a pod of killer whales were preying upon a gray whale and her calf. You mentioned gray whales. They're in the same order. Near Monterey Bay, California. Two humpbacks arrived on the scene, but the orca pod was overwhelming. The calf died and things escalated. The two humpbacks were joined by 14 more whales who were bound and determined to prevent the orcas from eating the calf and harming the mother. Huh. The battle raged for more than six hours. During that time, a huge swarm of krill entered the area, but the whales didn't care. That's their favorite food. That's like a, a swarm of ice cream cones. <laughs> And me, like, not, not caring about I don't it. Wanna, I don't want my ice cream in swarms. <laughs> I do. <laughs> uh, it's dangerous and unpleasant. It's delicious and a frozen treat. And itchy. As long as there's ice cream in there. <laughs> I don't want just the cones, obviously. So they wasted time and energy and a meal opportunity to protect a mother and avenge the calf. Here's a second example. Uh, off the coast of the Cook Islands, biologist Nan Hauser was swimming into the encounter of a lifetime. I'm, these are stories that I'm just... You're going uh, straight into the, the Attenborough? Yeah. Uh, just spice it up. I haven't done the Attenborough in a while. A 25-ton humpback whale swam up to her and seemed to persistently bump into her. He tried to tuck her under his pectoral fin. He lifted her out of the water on his belly and head. Sound familiar? In the heat of the moment, Hauser was sure she was a goner. All it would take was one foul swipe from a fin or a, a ram or something, and her bones would be crushed, organs ruptured, or drowned. Mm -hmm. So the encounter lasted 10 minutes before she made it back to her boat, where she found out that a 15-foot tiger shark was just on the other side of the whale. What? Yeah. See, I had seen this video, but I did not know that. Yeah. So she's convinced that the whale saved her life. And one must wonder... Why? So, we do not know for certain, but there are several possible explanations. One is that calf protecting is an instinct, and it just kind of bleeds over into other things. So, they're adapted to protecting calves, and that instinct kicks in with other species as well. Mm -hmm. Or maybe it's practice or something of protecting a calf. Except the human is much smaller than a cat. Yeah. They have sophisticated whale songs, uh, and they recognize them, and I think you have something about that. Yes, I do. The song of Baleen Streisand. <laughs> the song of Whalen Jennings. Oh, my gosh. Or the or the Whaling Jennies. Yeah. Both of those. Yeah, both of the those. The sad Jennies. Um, songs can last for up to 20 minutes, and only males 
sing. Oh, um, I didn't know. That. And sometimes they might sing for twenty four hours. Females vocalize, but only the males sing. Um, and no one knows for sure how they make these sounds because they don't exhale to make the sounds. They it's there's like a larynx device, not device, but like structure. Machine. Yeah, some <laughs> each one is born with a little tape recorder. <laughs> but yeah, so they and they travel for like through the water, really far. And at first, they thought the song was f- for the same reasons that humans sing for mating. Okay. Um, but usually, the only ones to respond are greasy males looking to sign a record deal. <laughs> greasy. <laughs> I just, when someone comes up to sign a record deal, I just imagine them having slick back hair. Probably. And like a, an overlarge white three-piece suit. Yes. So this, the song of the humpback whale is specific to the region. So all of the whales in the North Atlantic sing the same exact song. Interesting. It's kind of like lightning bugs. Yeah, but it's like all of them within <laughs> this, these Ocean. millions of yeah. square miles they sing the same song and then the ones in this in the south atlantic will sing a different song and it changes over the generations hmm. never repeating itself so that's what i have on song of the south <laughs> <laughs> the south wales so, 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 song south of- wales <laughs> new south wales oh this is just this is perfect how do i don't think of wales <laughs> so uh, as per the cat protecting instinct theory they will hear orca songs, and especially specifically attack songs, attack like the, calls. The the drums of war. Yes. <laughs> so they'll hear the orcas' drums of war and respond to it, no matter what it is, just in case it's a, a baby. And then once they get there, no matter what, the instinct kicks in, and that's that's why they save these different creatures. Man. So here's a second theory to deter predators from an area. So if they stop orcas and sharks from feeding in a given area, it'll drive them off, potentially protecting their own young. Okay. Because in that first story, they the creature died and they still protected it. Here's another one that I find very interesting. Some believe that the whales have personal vendettas, and that's why they do this. Ooh, I so like that. So many whales have scars and pre- from predatory attacks from their youths, mostly by sharks and orcas. Some guess that the whales respond to the sounds of distress or attack to save other creatures just to stick it to these predators or as an emotional response to, like, remembering those that experience of their own. Uh, it's like, oh, that orca? That's Gary. <laughs> and he is a big, fat jerk. No, it's more like... You're an orca? I hate orcas. Okay, so they're racists. They don't <laughs> they don't have good memories. They're just racist. So here's the, th- the third one and the one that Hauser holds to. Uh, that this is an example of true altruism and empathy. So whales are capable of fairly complex emotions. Perhaps they empathize with the plight of smaller prey species. However, many researchers find this hard to accept. Um, because altruism is so rare and true empathetic altruism is almost non-existent except for in humans. Mm-hmm. Even then, it's even then non-existent. it's non-existent almost. <laughs> so truth is the truth is that we may never know. Animal motivation is easy to anthropomorphize and it involves a lot of guesswork. So like you, your cat rubs against your leg and you think it's because it's happy that you're home. But in reality, it's just rubbing its 
facial scent glands on your leg to mark you as territory. That's just one example of how we can like read into an animal's behaviors. I always feel so used when that happens. <laughs> like I'm somebody's property. Just kick it. <laughs> Don't kick it. Be nice to animals. Don't, yeah, be nice to animals. Uh, that's all I got. That's all you got? Interessante. I was actually remembering a video where a humpback whale was next to this uh, snorkeling lady and just turned and left, and its tail hit her leg and shattered her Oh, leg. my gosh. And it looked so graceful and benign that it just brushed up against her, but you have this thing that weighs, like, just its tail weighs thousands of pounds. Yeah. And so, and it moving at, you know, 10 miles an hour will break your leg. Yeah. So, that's pretty crazy. So... That's all we got on the humpback whale. So, throw your peduncle, sing a song, and remember that beauty isn't fin deep like this frumpy dolphin in life, death, and taxonomy. Hey, listeners. Thanks for listening. While you're here, why not practice your humpback whale impressions by practicing a little altruism? Protect life, death, and taxonomy from the orcas of obscurity by leaving us a review. Not only does it tickle our baleen's self-esteems, it will help us grow up big and strong. Plus, if you want to send us your best whale songs or suggest a topic for our next episode, talk to us on Twitter, Facebook, or Gmail, where we are, LD Taxonomy. So go ahead. Let us hear from you. It's not going to krill you. I really like this episode. (laughs) This podcast is brought to you in part by the Brain Trust Brothers Network. For more information about this podcast or others, visit BrainTrustBros.com. Frumpy Dolphin, that's not fair. (laughs) How's that fair? (laughs) Uh, It's just a fun thing to say.